Hello, comic book fans. Pete here from Comic Books Transformed with my very good friend. You might say my own grown Grogu over there, Brian Corsair. Brian, will you share the journey with me? Uh, I will share the journey with you, although I feel like I'm playing the, uh, the Uno Reverso card this week based on our uh, conversations that have gone, gone, gone on so far this week. What do, what do you mean by that? I think I'm gonna, we're going we're to be the opposite. Usually I'm the real optimistic one. And I feel like I'm I, I'm going to be the negative one this week. <laughs> Do you think? Oh, okay. So maybe we should let people in on what you're talking about. First off, besides talking about the newest episode of The Mandalorian, we are also talking about Shazam: Fury of the Gods, and that makes me wonder, Brian. Do you think that maybe you are more forgiving of Marvel movies and shows, and I'm more forgiving of DC movies and shows? Um. Huh. I, I don't know. I, no, because um, I mean, didn't when we ranked our, uh, our everything we reviewed last year, I'm yeah. pretty sure I had this pretty high. You didn't have it as high. So, oh, yes. Um, I, I don't know if it necessarily extends to shows. I, I, I think you're maybe maybe you're more critical of things and I'm just less critical of things, I guess. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm happier to accept what I have usually, I guess. And you, you want things to be, be better, I suppose. I, that's a good way of putting it, man. And for those of you that are wondering what Brian said when he said this, he wasn't talking about like, you know, oh man, I was gonna make a rude joke. But anyway, on his shirts, he's got Peacemaker, like kind of walking across, like it's Abbey Road, right? Yeah, he's doing, that's fun doing, the, doing the, the dance moves from the, yes. the intro. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to talk about Shazam, and Shazam's been getting ravaged by, like, critics, and it's also, um, uh, what do you call it, like, doing pretty poorly in the box office. I think it's going to be re released on HBO Max pretty soon, right? Uh, I, I I haven't heard the, the exact time frame, but, yeah, it, it did have, like, the worst opening of any DC movie yet, uh, which That's is kind of scary, actually. That's crazy, right? Like, even worse than, like, Birds of Prey? Yeah, I think so. Oh man, I felt like no one saw that movie either. Wow. Okay. Well, Birds of Prey also had that weird. Wait, uh, no, Birds of Prey wasn't theaters. Um, but w was that when? When did that, when did that come out? Was that post pandemic? Was that yes, post pandemic? Yeah. It got delayed because of the pandemic. Yeah. So I, I think that that had an effect on that too. I really liked that movie though. <laughs> ditto, ditto. And speaking of which, Brian and I are going to rank all the DC EU films that have come out since Man of Steel in 2013. All the way up to Shazam, which just came out, you know, this month. So before we get into that DC talk, though, let's talk about The Mandalorian, episode 20. Wait, no, episode four, <laughs> which is... <laughs> chapter 20. Chapter 20, thank you, sir. It's called The Foundling. So right off the bat, I'm going to just say, this episode's awesome. No? I don't know. Uh -oh. um, I, I, I'm I'm going with my, uh, which I didn't think was going to happen, but I'm, I'm going with my Andor ruined Star Wars for me. Oh, no. Um, I, I, I guess I'm expecting more. Uh, this felt kind of like a filler episode to me. There oh. are some cool things in it. There's, there's some action in it. Um, there are some things that I can, I feel like I can speculate on that I'm, I'm excited about. But um, I... You know, combined with with how I how I uh, how I felt Andor was and was how good it was, combined with what we've said in the last week, what Mr. Sunday said that the Mandalorian is an idiot. 
I I can't help but just seeing this entire crew of Mandalorians is a bunch of idiots now. Oh my god! Now it, it's infected them, huh? They're all idiots now. Yeah, like I, I also saw I, I saw like a uh, someone made like a funny like TikTok or Instagram reel or something where it was the this episode out of context. It was all scenes from previous media, and one of them was like was like adam west batman walking up on the the rope on the the building and um oh god what were the other ones just all like cliche things that happened in this episode you know the, the climb of the mountain the can't wait the baby birds uh the someone getting spit out uh, of the mouth of the the big creature um what was that from though what was the the reference in that i don't remember but like I, anaconda like, there's a part where john maybe Boyd it was is... anaconda maybe it was anaconda yeah yeah Maybe I have to watch it again while we do this because I think I think Kristen sent it to me. But like I felt like it encapsulated everything how I felt about the episode, honestly. Um, wow. Also, like the um, uh, what was it the the, the Grogu scenes, um, uh, the, the flashback that was really cool. That was a nice connection. It was cool to see uh, Ahmed Best who played Jar Jar Binks. Uh, it was cool to see that he was connected, uh, that he was playing his character from um, from. Uh, the, the the Jedi Jedi Temple Challenge. Yes, I was going to say Jedi hidden hidden uh, uh, hidden temple. Yes, um, it was cool that he was playing that character, and they've incorporated that. But it's like, why did that scene be triggered by the armor making armor? Like, why? Because like because they're flashing lights. Like, why? <laughs> like the, the connection there bothered me so much. Wow. Like like the scene itself was cool, and the backstory was cool, and I get that we don't have a character that talks so it's hard to to get into this kind of stuff and had it had presented but like it was like a huge disconnect to me for for putting that in that spot in the episode wow okay so i mean this has come from the guy that just said that i'm the critical one out of the two of us I, yeah that's what i'm saying is this is uno reverso day <laughs> we're flipping it up okay yeah. well, okay so so let's okay let's let's un, let's unpack a few of the things he said there first off you were talking about how like the mandalorian can be an idiot. And then we were joking about it sort of infecting all the other Mandalorians. They're all kind of idiots, right? And I think that's so interesting because that's sort of said about Boba Fett in general, right? Like Boba Fett looks cool and people like him because of how he looks and how he acts in Empire Strikes Back. But then in Return of the Jedi, he gets taken out like a chump. And it's yeah. weird because like that sort of has like transferred over to this whole race of people. 100%. That they all look like him, right? And so, yeah, look, I have problems too when they go to rescue this kid. There, there's a whole bunch of goofy things that happen in this episode. However, I, I want to point out a few things behind the scenes before we go into it. I want to point out that Carl Weathers directed this episode. And so I think he did a really fantastic job. He made a stew out of it. He made a stew out of it. There you go. I mean, there definitely were different ingredients that he mixed together. Um, <laughs> he, um, it was written by John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Okay, now you mentioned Ahmed Best, uh, you know, he was Jar Jar Binks, and now he's Keller and Beck, right? Um, but we'll get into the Keller and Beck stuff in a minute. Um, what I wanted to say, though, was that, like, let's just go to the Mandalorian camp part, okay? So, oh, I, let me say one positive before we get into this, actually. Okay, go ahead. Um, the title, The Foundling, well, you know, you mentioned that before, and I should have said this earlier, but I, I kind of like the dual meaning of the title. Uh, one's a little more obvious when you're thinking about the episode, and one's a little less obvious. But say through the last episode, the convert and the foundling. So the convert, you could either apply that to uh, Doctor 
uh, last episode, uh, what was his name? I forgot his name. Dr. Pershing. Pershing. Or Bo-Katan. Right. Who seems to be converting back to, you know, the way, the way. Yeah. Uh, in this episode, you can kind of see the Foundling as either Grogu, who's, you know, really starting to train with the other Mandalorians, or the uh, the, the, the child that was taken by the, the giant bird thing. Good point. That's a very good point. I actually didn't even think about that this whole time. Um, okay, well, there, there's there's always like these kind of parallels too, right? It's interesting just with Grogu being there, right? Because Grogu is essentially a Jedi in training that's now been taken under the wing of Din Djarin and he's going to become a Mandalorian if Din Djarin has his way, right? And um, there's all these parallels between Jedi and Mandalorians in this show where essentially like the Jedi and the Mandalorians were both powerful before the empire. And then the empire w wasted both groups out. Like they, they wiped them both out completely. Um, the, the Mandalorians though, were like kind of more villainous before the old Republic or like in the early days of the Republic. And they, I guess got kind of reformed. And then right by the time of the clone wars, what we see in the cartoon is we see them try to like have this kind of, resurgence of being like these badasses and like they want to be warriors they want to join the clone wars and um there's a group that leads this charge they're called death watch and they're in the season two of the clone wars and i and i, I know i mentioned this in the notes and, and it, uh, on a message to you too but i think it's so interesting that john favreau is the guy who is in charge of death watch prey Vizsla. like what would you think about that that is interesting and um that that whole thing is that i mentioned before how i can see uh so, some kind of theories i have uh and it heavily relates to that uh clone wars season two and and the characters there um I, and i have to give credit where it's due I, I i got this from star wars explained or no maybe it was comic book resources but uh the idea of who the armor could be Mm. Uh, and the armor could be a character called Rook Cast, who is in season two, uh, or who is in the Clone Wars, and was a Mandalorian that um, that was a part of Death Watch, that was you know, and was under the command of essentially Darth Maul and uh, one of the other major characters. His name I can't remember off the top of my head right now. Yeah. Um, but the idea of having that character and Bo Katan, who I've met, and they were kind of trying to achieve the same thing. You know, restoring Mandalore and all that, and restoring the prominence of their their race, but going about it in different ways, and then having them come back together here in this show, I, I just think that's too much of a coincidence, and oh. I think that's kind of a cool way that they that they could uh, take this season. Okay, wow, I didn't even know about that. I'm just at the beginning of the Mandalorian plot in season two of clone wars so okay. I, I haven't even gotten up to the part where like darth maul comes in and kind of takes over too so i know that does happen you know it, it's yeah. really interesting how the sith and the jedi and the mandalorians all kind of like overlap with each other and it just kind of continues to happen like even in like empire strikes back you know you have like boba fett with darth vader right yeah and then, you know you know what's the most interesting part and maybe this is another reason why the sequel trilogy is just not as good is there isn't any kind of Mandalorian presence in the sequel trilogy, right? True. Yeah, yeah. But um, you referenced Star Wars Explained. A lot, a lot of the information that I got, uh, that I'm going to talk about today, I got from Star Wars Explained. But I also want to give uh, reference to one of my favorite, favorite Star Wars channels, Eckhart's Ladder. 
And that's where I learned all the stuff about uh, Keller and Beck and Ahmed Best and characters that he played. But um, let's, let's go back to the Mandalorian people, though. So I had to admit that, like, that scene where Din Djarin wants Grogu to, like, practice with the other foundling, and he gives him those little darts to shoot, like a little paintball gun darts. Yeah. Um, it, it just, it's, like, too much for me because, you know, he's a puppet, and, like, I think that they're trying to make it seem like he's a toddler. Would you agree with that or no? Yeah. Um, again, they, this is one of those things they've backed themselves into a corner with because because the puppet is so adorable, they can't change it. If they make him look older, it's not going to be as cute anymore. Right. We're always interested in it. Yeah. Um, but, like, that scene there, I, I, I could picture that being in, like, a like a skit on, like, Saturday Night Live or something like that. You know, it's like, you, you, want, you want me to fight this, this, this thing? It's like, foot tall? Like, really? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know... It, 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 it looked fine and all. I mean, it was, you know, he flipped around and all that and shot him, I guess. Um, I, I don't know. It, it, it's it's going to be a hard pill to swallow to have him train to be an effective Mandalorian, I guess. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I really think so. Do you think that by the end of this show, he's going to be walking around with like a full-on Mandalorian helmet and everything? Um, Yeah. Oh God! Oh God! Yeah, especially especially based on the scene with the armor where he, he, they give him the uh, the, the flavor of Flav clock. That yeah, he puts on. <laughs> he's in the big gold chain. Yeah, he's got um, like a fucking yeah. dinner plate on his chest now. Yeah, it's it's bigger than his body. Yeah. 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 Um. Yes, I I do think that's gonna happen, and I I I don't know how it's not gonna look silly. Ah. Uh. Yeah, man, I hope that society corrupt, you know, crumbles by then, you know, because I don't even, I don't really want to see that. Yeah, but, this this is the corner they backed themselves into. They honestly needed to leave Grogu with Luke and then have that be there. Maybe he can come back later for some reason, but he needed to stay with Luke, needed to be a Jedi. I, I think that's honestly what needed to happen. Yeah, yeah, I think you're totally right, too. It, it's it like, even from a logical standpoint, it doesn't make sense anyway, too, because like, you know, Yoda's lifespan went up to like 900 years and like for Grogu to even get from this toddler state to the next state, we'd probably have to wait like another 50 years or so, you know? So there's like Mando would have to be a lot older and I'd, I'd be okay with that, like jumping ahead, but that's not what the kind of story they're trying but to tell. But he's already a little, I mean, uh, I don't know how old the character necessarily is. Yeah. They figured that out, but but just based on the general age of Pedro Pascal, um, you know, oh. he is kind of on the older side, really. Yeah, you know, he's in like forties. Yeah, you know, upper forties, maybe low fifties. You never know. I don't think they're going to argue that he's in his thirties. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, they're obviously not doing that, and so they have this weird thing. And I mentioned this in our notes. That it's like. He kind of reminds me of Gizmo from Gremlins, where like yeah. he's real cute to look at, but then you have these little action sequences with him, and it just feels awkward because it's just not right, you know? Yeah, but I mean, hey, Gremlins Two is iconic when Gizmo has the little bow and arrow with the mastics and the whatever. Yes, yes, he shoots that mohawk gremlin. Yeah, yeah, that's the spider. Um, <laughs> so okay, let's talk about what else is kind of ridiculous about the camp, right? So okay, okay, the, well, I, I got this is the first and foremost one for me. Sorry to interrupt you there, but um, they're training. And some of these dudes are just shooting the water. <laughs> like, what 
what does that do? What do they like do recoil practice or something? Yeah. Like maybe if it was like the kids or something. Yeah. Or even still, set up some targets on some rocks. Like why why are you just shooting the water? Yeah. What does yeah. that help with? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't I don't know, man. Maybe they were trying to find that big dinosaur thing that's in the water. I, I don't know. But no, you're right. It, honestly, that whole sequence where they're training doing all this other stuff it kind of made it look more cheesy too because it's like you know essentially they're like people in cosplay right like there's people that dress up like them already to begin with and they're all just kind of doing cool little action moves and i i would much rather have like kind of a much more focused smaller group practicing and maybe everyone else is kind of standing around watching and then that happened versus like the whole camp is doing like you know mandalorian aerobics you know it was just too yeah much and for me. they're always doing doing those these aerobics and whatever on the beach there they, they've shown nothing about where they're like sleeping or living. Like, like they've shown like that armory little blacksmith section inside the, the one cave. Yeah. But, like that many people, they, they need some space somewhere. And there's yeah. no, there's no idea of what, where they're living. Yeah. At all. Like there's nothing shown whatsoever. So maybe they're just standing there shooting the water 24 <laughs> seven. Yeah. But they shouldn't do that because whenever they do something out there, some big fucking creature comes and like steals one of them or eats one of them. Yeah, and, so and then, like, you know, where they get all this ammo from? I, I mean, like, you know, they're, they're shooting their flamethrowers. Like, that's got to be burning fuel. I, I mean, maybe you could argue that, you know, laser bolts are infinite or some, some crap like that. But, I mean, they're just sitting there wasting shit on, uh, without, without any practical application of it. <laughs> yeah, dude, like, I don't hey, know. Like, flamethrower at you. Like, like, they're literally shooting each other with flamethrowers. <laughs> Oh man! I, I, I'm really convinced that they're all idiots. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, yeah. I mean, they, but but yes, you're a hundred percent right that they look cool, and that's what Boba Fett was. He was something that looked cool, and that he didn't necessarily really do anything. I yeah. still think that the show looks cool. I still like the show. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the the style is there, but like they need to make them do some like cooler things, like be a little bit better, I guess, in general. Like yeah. be a little more adept at something. Like you see Jedi's like, you know, going crazy with all kinds of stuff. Uh, and like, you know, uh, I'm at best. He, um, you know, counter back. He, he grabs the, uh, the lightsaber. He's doing, you know, dual lightsaber moves. Like that looks cool. You know I mean? And I, I don't think you need to have them doing that, but let them hit a freaking target, you know, like let them do something cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, all right. They kind of do a few cool things after they get attacked. By a Shriek Hawk. And the Shriek Hawk is something that's in Star Wars lore. It's been in the um, expanded universe. And in this, it's in the canon universe too, because it's actually the symbol that Death Watch uses. And it's the symbol of House Vizsla. So once again, like John Favreau, it's like connecting to his original role and that original storyline. I thought that was really interesting that like this creature is a symbol of that house. The Mythosaur is a symbol of like the Mandalorian people in general. Um, and so this creature, like I was talking about before, just swoops down and grabs this kid. And here comes another problem. We sound like we're complaining about this a lot, but, it, you know, I'm going to say positive stuff about the Jedi part. It, it's weird that, like, it took so long for this creature to try to consume this boy, you know? Yeah. Um, yes. So essentially everyone flies off. Not everyone. A, a good chunk of people fly off on their jetpacks trying to taste the guy. Yeah. But they all run out of, run out of fuel. Yeah, and they all look ridiculous landing. 
one looks ridiculous landing. But it's like, oh, we're out of fuel. And again, brings me up to the point of like, where are they getting all this fuel from? Yes, yes. Um, but, you know, Pokatan, only brain amongst the entire bunch, gets in a ship and follows her. And maybe everybody else doesn't have ships. Okay, whatever. Fine. Yeah. Um, but she comes back. So th- this kid is with his bird for like a full night, overnight. Yeah. And then when we finally do see the kid, he's being regurgitated by the bird. Yes. So, I mean, is that a callback of Boba Fett and the Sarlacc or something like that? Like, oh, like he's got a helmet on. He can live in his stomach with that stomach acid. I think so, like, yes. You know, like that thing, he would have, that kid would have been eaten by now. Like, you know, there, there's no way that kid would still be alive the next morning. Yes. I Dude, look, I agree. I agree. Um, with that being said, when the, the creature kind of made that noise and it like spit him up, that did shock me at first. When I first saw it. I was like, oh, shit. You yes, it, it did, but it wasn't it wasn't a good kind of shock, honestly. No, also, no. he was completely like spotless. <laughs> like he was clean. Like no put some slime on him or something like that. Put a little yeah. wear and tear on the helmet. I, I don't know. Yes. Well, he um is the son of a guy who's a Vizla too. So we have yet another Vizla that's around, and they even have that symbol on them. It's kind of ironic that he was getting eaten by a street cock, you know, and that's yes. their family crest, right? Um so you know, that is the thing that a lot of people were complaining about was like how long it took for them to wait to get the creature. Um, I said this in the notes where they, they set up camp basically, right? And they wait before they attack the creature. They they let the they go through the whole night before attacking it. And I was thinking, like, why don't you attack it at night? It's gonna be sleeping. You probably have night vision on your helmet, right? And I don't know, I don't know. I, I guess like it just looked more dramatic during the day to have it during the daytime, right? I, I guess. Yeah. I mean, my son is there, but I'm gonna wait and see if maybe they won't eat him. Maybe they haven't saved him for breakfast. Right, right. And that's yeah. He he lucked out with that. That's exactly what they did. Yeah. So let's shift gears and then go to the Jedi part because I think that we could probably both be in agreement that that part was good, right? Yeah, that was cool. That was a nice tie-in to Order sixty six. Uh, nice callback. Nice tie-in with that with the uh, the, the, the Jedi Temple show, and uh, again, just more redemption for Ahmed Best who took too much of a beating for Jar Jar Banks, honestly. Yeah. And, I mean, he physically looked good. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm sure he's not that old, but he's probably, like, in his, I don't know, I guess maybe 40s or 50s. He looked probably really close to us, I would say, if maybe a little older. I mean, who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who knows? Like, we could very easily look this up. <laughs> but I thought he looked good, and then he also yeah. looked cool. Like, he, he has a shot where he, like, walks in the, the, you know, the elevator door opens, the lift opens or whatever, he comes out. Then he's got those two lightsabers. Um, pretty much every single thing I'm about to say about Keller and Beck, I've learned directly from Eckhart's ladder. And um, first off, Keller and Beck's nickname is the Sabered Hand. I think he pretty much demonstrated how good he was at the lightsaber. Um, he also played, Ahmed Best also played a background character named Ahmed Beck in uh, that bar scene in the Clone Wars. Do you remember that scene? Uh, not in the Clone Wars, uh, Attack of the Clones. Yes. Right? And so... Um, that character in the expanded universe stole one of Padme's ships, one of her Naboo ships that are all silver and stuff. And I just thought it was a really cool touch that, like, you know, um, Keller and Beck took the, uh, a Naboo ship to get away. Yes, that that's a nice little Easter egg tie-in, absolutely. And yeah. that that's why, like I said, this was a really cool scene. Is the, the only thing that bothered me was how they got to it. Yeah, right, right, yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah, why was he having flashbacks like that? Um, but 
it, it kind of showed how scary the, the clone troopers were. They're scary in that sequence in Revenge of the Sith. But in this, it's like you get away from them, and then they're in a, they're in a troop transport, and then they're they're like jumping out, and it just keeps going. And then like that troop transport's gone. Well, here comes another one, and it's just like this relentless force. And I think it kind of showed that just with the numbers, they could overwhelm the Jedi. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And we saw a little bit of that that with um, uh, the the episodes with Ahsoka and Tales of the Jedi as well, when she's training. Oh, yeah, when the clone troopers would attack her, and that's yep. why she kind of built up that defense. Yep. Yeah, that's probably what ended up saving her life. Yeah, yeah. Um, during Order 66. So that scene is, like, right in the middle. And then uh, did you have anything else you want to say about that scene? Uh, no. Okay, okay. So uh, last but not least, I wanted to go into just the one last thing, which was that um, I was surprised when the Shriek Hawk puked up the little boy, but then I was also surprised when Bo-Katan told the armorer that she saw the mythosaur were you surprised uh yes and this is ultimately the, the the reasoning why i think that that the armor is um that character i said before um god i can't remember the name of it <laughs> uh rook cast um it's because i don't think she realizes this yet but i think she will i think um just them talking about the mythology of, of, of everything and her being accepted there. And, you know, it, it seems like Bogotan's giving the old college try here. Um, I was originally thinking that that she would be more of a, a villain, Bogotan, trying to take over. But I think she's going to be kind of the heroic side, really. Yeah. And that the armor is going to be potentially exposed as being someone from Death Watch. Okay. Well, that's interesting. That's real interesting. Um, whoever is the voice actor for the armorer does a fantastic job uh i believe it's emily swallow who is the actress that's actually portraying the character yes oh. great voice yeah 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 her voice is just so great because it's like strong but it's like feminine too it's it's this great you know i don't know she's just able to do so much with saying so little you know yeah and and uh one of the more striking costumes as well obviously you know it's yes. like it really stands out yeah so okay we're up to episode four is is there eight episodes of season three i believe so so we're about halfway through here halfway through okay okay cool well um unless you have anything else you want to say about mandalorian season four season three episode four you're good uh yeah i i hope i i just just to sum up what i've been saying just let let them do cool stuff give me some political twists and turns here just get, give me something that's not the Mandalorian and, and the Mandalorians are idiots. <laughs> give me something more, please. Okay, okay. Well, hopefully we'll get something like that. I'm assuming that they're going to do something with uh, Carl Weathers' character because I think they're going back to that planet. I keep talking about how there's that one shot of them all jumping out of the transport and landing with their jetpacks. I think that's his planet. Yeah, so, we'll uh, it could be. And, uh, and, and, you know, give me an answer on the whole IG-11 thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it seems completely dropped. It seemed like a big focus, and I, I guess they don't need him for that purpose, but it was just a weird, a weirdly placed callback that was a little too prominent, I guess. Yeah. It makes me feel like it's supposed to still come back somehow. Yeah, yeah, maybe it will. I could see, like, at the very end of the season, he's, like, fully rebuilt, and he, like, saves them when they're facing some sort of big bad. And then it's, like, it's kind of like, oh, well, we used to have Boba Fett and IG-88, now we have Din Djarin and IG-11, you know? Yeah, his, his motley crew. 
So uh, with that being said, let's move on to Shazam! Fury of the Gods. It's the 12th film in the DCEU. Um, James Gunn has made it sound like these films might still connect to the DCU, but I'm kind of skeptical of that. What about you? Uh, yes. So I, I watched an interview with uh, David F. Sandberg, and he said that uh, essentially James Gunn said that they don't, the, the, the movies as they are don't really interfere or contradict what they're planning. Oh, which is interesting because I, I would figure, I, I mean, I, I guess this is really all going to depend on what happens in the flash. Um, I, I think Superman being in the first movie might be a con contradiction at this point. Yeah. Uh, not sure, but uh, it, it's, I think, I think that it's possible it could still exist, but I don't think it will. I think the reception of this movie, the poor performance, I think this is dead. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, it's been trending on Twitter a lot. A lot of people have been talking about it. I, I wrote these notes uh, like a day ago. Um, I didn't notice the thing with, uh, who the fuck is the guy that plays Shazam? It's Zachary Levi. Thank you so much. Zachary Levi had a video. Did you see that video today? Which one? I've seen, I've seen a lot with him lately. Oh, shit. He had this one video where he was talking about that they were going to have a scene that was going to connect with like Hawkman and uh... yeah, yes, oh, you, you did see that scene. I, I do know about this. Yes. Yeah. So the uh, the first end credit scene. So I, I guess we're talking spoilers here. Let's just let everybody know full on spoilers here for Shazam: Fury of the Gods. Yes. The end credit scene with um, Harcourt and Economos was supposed to be the Justice Society themselves, but it kind of got nixed last minute. They were able to get them. Peter Saffron was able to call and make some uh, make some calls and get them to show up on very short notice to kind of still keep the spirit of the scene. Yeah. But you know, it, it's a little bit lesser, I guess. Like it would have been cooler to see Hawkman there, I guess, than it would have yeah. been to see Economos. Dude, I feel bad. I didn't even stay to watch like a post credit scene or anything like that. Oh, there were two. There was two. There's oh two. Yeah, okay. so essentially, um, yeah, I'll tell you what they were. So the, the first post-credit scene is Shazam is just at some, like, gas station in the woods, like some abandoned gas station, just shooting lightning bolts. I don't know why. And then they walk up, and they're trying to recruit him for the Justice Society. Hey, at least he's not shooting at the water, okay? He's not <laughs> yes, shooting yeah. lasers at the water. Target practice is at least practical application. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, uh, and then they, they try to recruit him. Uh, under uh, for the Justice Society, which is I, I guess under Waller's command in a sense, uh, in in this universe. Um, the second scene, which I, I both laughed at, but it kind of made me angry too. Okay. Uh, it was another scene with Doctor Savana in jail and Mister Mind coming to visit him, and it was kind of like a gag. It's like saying like, "Oh, uh, I I just wanted to let you know I I didn't, I didn't forget about you. I got one more thing to do," and he, he basically just says. You know, keep waiting, and he, he goes off. Like, that's it. Uh, and it's kind of funny, but at the same time, it's kind of like a huge letdown. Yeah, you know, yeah, Like, yeah. It, it would have been, like, there have been plenty of things that they haven't followed up on in other movies, and they would have been fine to let it alone, I guess. But especially knowing that there's not going to, probably not going to be anything else. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's both kind of funny in a way and disappointing. They always seem to do that, though. It's like, there's if there's two credit scenes, there's always one's a little more serious, and there's always one's very much just a joke. Uh, yeah. And this would be this was the one that's very much the joke. Okay, shit, I kind of wish I had seen him now. Um, so all right, let's let's just cut to the chase. 
You didn't like this movie? Um, I didn't hate it. It's a middle of a pack movie, sort of. Uh, okay. I have some problems with it, I guess. But um, I, I, I can see why people wouldn't weren't interested. I can see people not being satisfied by it. Um, there is some like weird disconnect in it. It's a little too long. There's a little bit sometimes. There's too much going on, I guess. I don't know. Maybe you need to be tighter, a little more focused or something. I'm not sure. Yes. Um, there are some cool elements of it. I, I, I definitely think so. But uh, ultimately, just the the knowledge of everything changing in DC um, probably just turned people off. People weren't really just excited about it, I guess. And I, I guess ultimately, if my son and wife didn't want to see it, we weren't going to review it, I might not have seen it. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I agree with you 100% that it's too long. There's a, a few sequences in the middle in the second act where it's basically just sort of like moving pieces around. Like at one point, something's in the Rock of Eternity, then all of a sudden it's at the Garden of the Gods or whatever you call the god area in this movie, right? And it kind of goes back and forth. They're like characters are kidnapped, but then they're brought back. Or characters are depowered, then they're powered again. That happens a lot in the middle, and it makes it feel long, because like by the time you get to the actual true conclusion, you're like, all right, let's just come on, let's just finish this up. Whereas I think that what happens in the conclusion, uh, let's put it this way: the, the like the way that the villains are defeated and what happens, I feel is satisfying. And but then to have like the character die, which wow, we're just jumping right into fucking spoilers, and then it's like, okay, well he's dead, but then we're just gonna bring him back like two minutes later. It's that's kind of lame in itself too but right. what i would say and we'll, we'll get to that too in a second but just to kind of backpedal um i feel like this movie has maybe one of the best superman sequences i've seen in a modern film when, when the shazam family is rescuing the people on the bridge that was giving me like superman feels did, did that give you anything like oh, yeah, that like the play, the, uh, or the plane scene in, in superman returns yeah which yeah. was pretty much the best scene in that movie. Right, um, right. Yeah, no, it, it was it, that was that was a good scene. Uh, it it was, I guess it was a setup to show that they're they're kind of like floundering and screwing up. They don't really exactly know what they're doing with these powers and all that, but they are helping people, I guess. I mean, I laughed when the bridge collapsed, um, but um, yeah, it, it, it was. I, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it either. <laughs> okay, uh, well, with that sequence, right? You're right. It's kind of showing how they goof up, but I felt like it also showed that they kind of have fun and they enjoy using their powers. Like it kind of showed that like th th this family really likes to like do this, that they enjoy being superheroes. And you got to see kind of each of their individual personalities. I liked when the girl, I, I pretty much don't know any of the family members names or any of their superhero names. I just know that well, they don't have names. Well, I, I mean, they have names. They don't have superhero names, I guess. Right. Because, right. You know, like, I, I know that, um, like, Freddie Freeman's alter ego, he calls himself, like... Captain Mr. Every Power. Captain Every Power, right, right. Which, which he was great. He was great. But, um, you know, when, when the, the littlest girl, like, she oh. just saves the cat and then, like, doesn't save the people in the car. Like, I love that, right? Yep. Um, and, and, you know, and they're playing I Need a Hero. And, and, like, when Shazam saves that woman in the car he's like this is the song you're listening to like this is perfect you know i, I thought that was a great joke i love that um the movie's directed by david f sandberg he uh directed lights out 
he directed Annabelle Creation, which is like the second best Annabelle, and it's like way better than the first one. Um, he, he's also in this movie. He gets picked up by a harpy and like dropped at the very end. But what I was going to say was, I feel like that the beginning of that sequence was an homage to, uh, I think it's Final Destination 2. Or no, maybe it's 3, where the bridge collapses. I think Final Destination 2 is when the uh, the um, truck, the, there's like that thing on the highway. Okay. And, and then the third one is when a bridge collapses. But it, it, that, it very much reminded me of Final Destination 3. Uh, okay. 3. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's got the horror influences, and you, you do feel that in the movie, you know, with the, the opening scene uh, with the gods. Yeah. Um, with uh, what you, oh, God, what were their names? What, what the, was the gods Hespera are... and Calypso? Hespera and Calypso, yeah. Yeah. And, the the and, opening scene yeah. with them in the, in the museum, um, that was a little terrifying. I, I mean, that, that has some horror influences there, some zombie like, uh, you know, um, spell going on there. Yeah, yeah. Calypso sort of infecting people with her, like she almost has like poison whispers, and they spread them to each other. Yeah, I thought that was great. It reminded me of the demon sequence in the first movie, which was like way scarier than something you would expect in the movie itself. You know? And yeah, when when they eat the executives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so with this, I think that's just really effective to have this like opening sequence where the villains do this like terrifying stuff to innocent people, and it's just like. It keeps going. It's not like they just do like one power and then it stops, or one power and they cut away. Like they have that one guy from Shit's Creek who's the tour guide, and they like kind of scare him. Then they turn him into dust, and they like shatter him too, or they turn him into stone, and then they shatter him. You know, yeah. so it just kind of keeps going. And I think that's you kind of need stuff like that to make the villain seem intimidating. And I can't think of a lot of examples of current movies within like the past ten years. Where the villains were like really intimidating. Can can you think of any? Um. Well, see, I, I think they were really intimidating from that scene, but I don't think they withheld that. They held that up across the entire movie. Yeah, I, I yeah I agree, and I think that they had stuff that was scary. The idea that they could like just steal your powers and then they stole some of their powers that in itself was scary, or at least there was that sense of danger, right? Yeah. Um, but then all that kind of going back and forth where it's like they capture Hespera, then she escapes, and you know, that kind of yeah. going back and forth, that that is what takes that feeling of threat away, I think. I think I, I agree, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think of Jamon Hansu? Um, I thought he was good. I, I was surprised to see him in the movie, to be perfectly honest, in, yeah. in the present. Uh I, I thought maybe we'd see him in like a flashback or something. Uh, I, I like him a lot. I think he's um, an underrated actor. Um, I, I don't know if if I would have ever pictured the wizard being like that, though. Yeah, I, I, I do generally picture him as an old man, sort of like a yeah. you know like a crotchety old man, you know. Yeah, but he yeah. seems to be rather youthful uh, again in this, uh, which I think was interesting. I guess. Yeah, they made him the the. Wizard Shazam, because that's his name is actually Shazam yep. too. The wizard um, in DC Comics, they made him look kind of like this version of the character in the New Fifty Two, and that was before the first Shazam movie came out. You know, oh, okay. So, like, I guess they just took inspiration from that. It was like right when the New Fifty Two began, they showed him and some other wizards. Did, did he have like the pimp outfit too? <laughs> no, no, he, I don't think he ever made it to that point. I don't know what happened to him in the comics, but yeah. <laughs> 
he looked awesome at the end. I think that he's an underrated actor as well, and he's just he's got these great comedic chops. But um, you know, he's also just great at like kind of conveying this sense of like being tormented or this sense of um, you know, like oh, something bad's gonna happen. Like he's he's just really great. He, he was nominated for an Academy Award twice, and and one of those times wasn't even Amistad. Yeah, what was the other one? Blood Diamond. Blood Diamond was Blood. one of them, and then the other one was I think like. Uh, I don't know, but it wasn't Amistad. That's the part that oh, pulled wasn't. Out. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So then let's talk about uh, let's talk about Freddie Freeman for a second and Anthea. Did yeah. you like that part of the movie? For, yeah, Freddie kind of stole the movie. Honestly, I, I think yes. uh, he was a really great focus of it, uh, and we see a lot of both. Well, we, we see a good balance of Freddie and and Captain Every Power. Um, Adam Brody, uh, but we definitely uh, there's a lot less of uh, Billy Batson this yes. time around, I think. Yes. Um, but Freddie was really good. It was a really good kind of emotional center of the movie, I think. Yeah. Um, and I liked his story a lot. Um, I thought Rachel Zegler was good as Anthea. Um, her powers were interesting. Um, I, I, I'd be curious to know how they work and what was go actually going on there and whatever. But yeah. I have to say, like, she, that was who was supposed to be Batgirl. And, um, oh. and I had never seen her in anything before. Oh. And every picture I saw of her made her look like a lot older than this. But, like, I didn't realize that she's basically like a teenager. Um, oh. And I'm, I'm, I'm also curious of the timeline of Batgirl and this, of when they filmed and all that, and how that came about, or how they were going to pass off two different you know two different characters played by the same person essentially oh i didn't i did not know that was the same actress that's crazy yeah but she 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 looks like a teenager in live action but every picture i saw of her with uh, you know with bathroom news I, I could swear that she was like 25 or 26 or something like that you know oh man man and it would have had brennan fraser in it too i would have loved to have seen that movie yeah dang or maybe not who knows maybe it really was that bad you know <sighs> I, from what I'm hearing, man, I'm hearing that Aquaman is really, really bad. Have you heard I've that? Seen that? I've seen that headline too. Yeah. Yeah, I'm worried because the first Aquaman, it's fun, but it's it's pretty fucking stupid. Yeah, but you know what? I I, I like it. Like I actually liked it. Like yeah. I, I didn't I didn't even see it in the theater. I saw it afterwards. Um, I, I watched it once by myself, once with my son. And and you know, there's like zero chemistry between Jason Momoa oh. and Amber Heard. Oh. Yeah, their chemistry is horrible, and I think had, had that been better, if they weren't just ridiculously good-looking people, um, and they had better chemistry, like I think it might have been a much more solid movie. Because yeah. like the 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 the, the quest and the, like the Atlantis stuff and uh, the you know the war at the end is it's 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 big and silly and fun, but it's like I don't know, like I liked it, and I, I think one of the most striking visual sequences in any DC movie uh, when they're on the ship and they're they're diving down and all those like. Whatever the hell those things. The were. trench. The trench. Yeah, yeah. And all those like sea creatures are coming after them. They were a little, you know, scary looking. They were a yeah. little hard like that when they're actually diving down. It was one of the most visually striking things that any of these movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it was James Wan, and it, you know, James Wan has done Conjuring movies, and he's done you know uh, a whole bunch of other things, including like some Fast and the Furious movies. And that's kind of I feel like Aquaman is like a Fast and the Furious movie, where it's just like really dumb. But still, like fun 
and cool to like look totally. at it, right? Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you made this really great point about how um, there's a lot of Shazam, but not a lot of Billy Batson. And I wanted to address that too. Because um, have you watched the pitch meeting for either Shazam or Shazam for the Gods? Uh, I definitely watched the, more, the recent one, but I don't know if I don't remember if I watched the original or not. Okay, in both pitch meetings, the guy makes fun of how like the kid is real serious and like yeah. emo, and then Shazam is like more goofy than the kid. You know, you, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't think there was a much of a disconnect in the first movie. Uh, I, I feel like. Yes, he was a little more angsty as Billy Batson, yeah. but you know, it it wasn't as far fetched. This movie, it felt weird. Yeah, he seemed to be a lot more mature. Like, like he doesn't look like he, they say he's almost eighteen. Like he looks a lot older than that. Um, <laughs> right, right. And he seems he seems to be um a lot more into the whole idea of family and being scared of losing something he has that he finally found. He's a lot more serious, honestly. And yeah. adult Shazam is still like super goofball. Yeah. So there was a huge disconnect there for for me, and that kind of, kind of bothered me a little bit, I guess. Yeah. Not that I think it wasn't funny. Like like Zachary Levi is funny as yeah. as Shazam, but the just seeing less less of Billy and seeing Billy is more serious, and it, it it was just very very different, and maybe made me feel like they weren't the same character. Everyone else felt like the same character still. Right. 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 Yeah. All, but, all this. Go ahead. I don't know. You, you go ahead. No, I was gonna say I think that all the Shazam family members did a really great job, like the kid actors and the adult actors. Um, in particular, was it Adam Brody is the one that Adam Brody, yeah. Yeah, I love that actor. Um, you know, I haven't seen him in much. I think I saw him in like Jennifer's Body and I saw him on um The OC. Well, I, I, didn't, Owen, man. I didn't watch the OC though. My <laughs> wife did. I know that you and Kristen liked it a lot. I, I didn't watch the first season. I came into it in season two and like I used to be, I used to laugh that she was watching it. This yeah. is back in like two thousand two or three or four or something like that and i would laugh that she was watching this this show and then one day i sat down and i saw an episode in season two and then i i became hooked on it and we watched it until the end <laughs> wow well it just he he does a fantastic job he really does seem like it's freddie freeman as an adult yeah. you know what i'm saying and he has some funny moments too right in the very beginning too um so one thing that you said i wanted to just kind of keep going with it too is that it really seemed like they were trying to do an A plot where it's like um, Billy is afraid of losing his adoptive family, his foster family, and he's trying to keep the Shazam family together. And then the other plot line is this romance between Anthea and um, Freddie Freeman. And and often it kind of feels like the Freddie Freeman plot line is actually the main plot line and the Billy one is this, the background plot line, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, and good. Not not to say that the the idea of the of of the arc of Shazam in this movie isn't good. Like I do really like the idea of it. Is he's afraid his human self is afraid of losing his family, and he sees that already happening in his superhero family. Right. Everyone's kind of going off his, on their own, doing their own things. He's trying to keep them together because he he has that fear, and uh, and I really think that's a really good arc for it. But it somehow gets like lost in the shuffle, sort of. Right. And um, I, I don't think the sacrifice was a, a good resolution because essentially what he did was he, he just solved everything by himself. Like there should have been the, the solve should have been working together as a family, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and, and and while, you know, the sacrifices are noble and, and all that, um, it, it, it 
you know, I, I, I guess they're trying to show that he's learning the wisdom of Solomon, which is should be his primary power in, in the group, I believe. Mm. Um, yeah. But um, it, it that message gets muddled across the movie to me. And I, I think if they would have focused on that a little bit better, I think it might have came out better. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Um, that was a critique in the original pitch meeting, too. Was it was like, oh, he has the wisdom of Solomon. Is he very wise? And it's like, nope, not at all. And they make fun of that in this movie, too, where it's like he doesn't seem to be wise at all. And then the wizard at the, the third act of the movie says, you don't have any wisdom in your head at all, but you have wisdom in your heart. And once you have this power, you chose to share it with your family. And I really like that. Because um, that was one thing I always had a problem. Maybe, maybe, maybe I take back my statement because that was a kind of a good resolution, I suppose. Yeah. Well, that was one thing I just never understood with the first movie. And maybe I didn't even understand with Shazam in general. Was it's like he's given all the power, but then he gives it to his peers and stuff. And it's like, it, wouldn't it be diluted if he gave it to everyone else? You know, wouldn't yeah, it be lesser? It, it, it does seem like that. And it would have been interesting if they would have kind of, um, uh, you know, can't think of the words. My words are leaving my brain. Um, if they would have built upon that, I think that would have been a good foundation for something to show that the powers are diluted. They do sort of sort of show some of the members having a uh, like an affinity for certain powers. Yeah. Like, um, uh, no, is Eugene the? Which one's Eugene? Well, there's like the Asian one that is like. No, that's Eugene investigating the doors the, the, the hispanic one like, like he seems to have the you know the strength of atlas uh i would say darla has the speed of mercury uh all that kind of thing there um yeah. where the others land uh is a little more murky i guess yeah yeah i agree like maybe they kind of shine more with the specific power i like that no no like eugene that. has the power of zeus because he, he just focuses on the lightning bolts that's right sorry oh uh, yeah there you go good point good point but so however i i, I think and I think this was, um, they didn't give the family much to do in this movie, I don't think. And I, I can understand how that it's really cramped. There's a lot of characters in this movie. Oh, shit, yeah. And a team of six people with played by two sets of people yeah. is kind of insane to include. Yeah. But um, I, I was a little disappointed that there was like almost no Mary Marvel whatsoever. I thought they were yeah. going to make something out of the fact that, that the actress playing uh, Mary was also playing Mary Marvel, but right, they right, really right. didn't make any mention of it. Uh, I thought that would have been a cool plot line to, to, to bring in, especially they're talking about Billy uh, aging out of foster home. And, you know, um, I thought maybe it was like, oh, he, you're an adult. So, you know, you look like yourself now. And but they can't do that because then they can't have Zachary Levi and 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 um, Billy Batson at the same time, because, you know, it, he's the, the name draw for the character, I suppose yeah i'd say so yeah I, I mean um i what's interesting with like the comics the the characters in the comics right is that they get to a certain point where they don't even look like little kids anymore and they just become their superhero selves like i think mary pretty much just looks like mary when she becomes mary marvel in the comics too and uh remember she was on young justice too yes recently yeah. that was really cool um but i think you make an excellent point about how there's just so many characters in this comic because it's not even like there's just one bad guy too there's there's three bad guys three as well bad guys. and i think that that's one of the and reasons parents too yeah and, and yeah. god how do the parents not recognize mary like yeah 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 there's not even a, like a clark Kent spit curl or glasses or anything yeah yeah 
Yeah, and the, I mean, the parents are just basically there. It's, I like the one part in the beginning when the dad is like counting the marbles or, you know, whatever you call them, the champions. And then he's like, wait, where are our kids? And then the kids walked in. I like that little part too. Yeah. Um, but there's a couple of logistics questions I had, which I was wondering, I just kind of want to get your take on them, right? So this movie implies that like, at least the Greek gods were kind of held in a pocket dimension or like just cut off from our reality, right? And then like in Wonder Woman, and I think some of the other DC movies, the idea, the implication is that all the Greek gods have been killed off by Hades and that like Zeus was like the last. uh, Ares, that's what I mean. Right, right, right. And so um, do you think that like, like how did you interpret that? I mean, obviously it could just be that like the movies don't really match up and the continuity is all messed up, but could it be that like the gods were separated and then uh, Ares killed them all, you know? Because I know that, like, the gods kind of also returned to help fight Darkseid, too. Yeah, this was another one of those really muddy things to me. Yeah. Um, it's To me, it seems like, I mean, very obviously the comics were, were birthed in different comic universes, and they were eventually combined into DC. Yeah. Um, especially once, you know, Diana had the, uh, the, the, the Zeus, Zeus is her father kind of background for a while, which I, I don't think is... The case anymore i think they hope they not. i think they yeah. recommend that again cool um but yeah it, it's it seems like the wizard took the powers from the greek gods or and then there's the greek gods you know for wonder woman and it just seems like oh there's they're greek gods so this this all sort of works together but i i it's it's a little too muddy and i, I don't think it, it fits together as well as it should yeah uh, uh you know the order of events here of, of how and and it, and who is mad at who? Like, you know, essentially. Yeah. yeah, it is kind of confusing. I mean, I got confused with the whole idea of like the tree and then like, well, if we plant the tree here, it's one thing. If we plant the tree on earth, it's bad. I, that, that was kind of confusing to me too. Yeah. So they, uh, they have the concept of realms here, I, I guess. And I, I don't really remember this from DC comics at all, but so they're saying that, you know, when the wizard, vanished in the first movie he went to just went to another realm essentially yeah that's that's where um the the daughters of atlas are from um and and i think you know the daughters of atlas you know um atlas was one of the um the titans and the titans birthed the gods all that kind of stuff like that i feel like that the daughters of atlas would be mad at the gods not the people that took the powers from the gods yeah Sort of, and th- that that was a weird disconnect. And I think it's like, oh, it's all Greek mythology. Here you go. <laughs> um, and that was that was just kind of weird, I guess. Yeah, well, I agree. I mean, even with Shazam, just the comic book character, I don't think Solomon is a Greek. No, um, isn't like Solomon from the Bible? <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. Um, but some of those some of those things match up. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe we just need to <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, you know what? I think since I know you have to go to something real soon, too. Um, what do you call it? Can we just do our rankings real quick? Um, is there anything else? No, we have to talk about one more thing. Go ahead. We have to talk about Wonder Woman showing up. Um, All right. Tell me I, what you think. I first got to th- talk about the the intro of, of Wonder Woman with, with the Shazam kind of dream sequence. I did find that funny. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He looks really weird. Especially the, the whole kind of meta joke of you just see her from, you know, neck down. Right. Just right. like Superman, the previous uh, thing. Right. And then when you eventually see the face, it's it's the wizard. It's uh, <laughs> I did laugh at that. Yeah, me but too. It was good. I, I don't know. The fact that, that like, oh, there are no gods left. And then you hear the the Wonder Woman music and it's like, oh, I'm here. and I'm, I'm, I have resurrection powers now. Yeah. Like what? What was that? Like that? That felt like such a the weirdest connection to do that. Um, well, well, so so okay. So I'm kind of confused too. Isn't she a demigod? Don't they even say yeah. she's a demigod in this movie? They yeah. say that like she because she's the daughter of Zeus and Hippolyta. Yeah, and but and she's able to bring magic back. Yeah. Because yeah. she's a demigod. Like what? What does that mean? <laughs> it, I, I think. Because, okay, in the One Woman movie, there's this whole thing called the God Killer. And they think that it's this sword, right? Like, Zeus's power is in this sword, and you could use it to kill Ares. But then she finds out that she's essentially the God Killer. So I think that maybe she has the power of Zeus. She has the power of a god, even though she's not necessarily a god. What do you think of that? Fair. Um, it still feels like a, like a really stretching the use of it. Oh, and, yeah. and to bring the character back like i i don't want the movie to end on a downer necessarily with with shazam and billy dead or anything like that but like you you even said it and you, you definitely enjoyed the movie more than i did and i don't think it was bad i just think it was kind of messy honestly yeah um yeah. but i i it was fine it was it was fine <laughs> okay well well where does it fit in your rankings Somewhere in that middle pack that I can't decide on. So, like, uh, just like Marvel, I'm real sure of the top. I'm real sure of the bottom. But the middle, I'm just like, I, I could swap them out every day. Well, all right. Well, let's see what they are on right. Friday. Uh, again, I did not see Joker. I know Joker's not uh, in this this universe, but we're recounting it because it counted before. Uh, it came out after Man of Steel. Um, oh, wait. Wait. So, then are you including the Batman in this, then, too? Oh, well, we did last time. Ah oh, shit! I didn't include the Batman. All right, I'll, I'll I'll strike them from the record. Okay. All right, so uh, my number's gonna be off there, so I'm just gonna read them from the bottom. My worst one is um, Suicide Squad, the original. Me too. Uh, follow that. The following that is Justice League, and we're talking about theatrical Justice League. Uh, yep. I don't believe we're including the Zack Snyder cut here, right? No. Okay. I would rank that a little bit higher, but not too much. Okay. Um, next would be Wonder Woman '84. I do not Same. like that movie at all. Same. Uh, next, Batman v Superman. Not Same like thing. Those are my bottom rung that are like set in stone, like no doubts in my mind. Yep. Um, now, this is a bit of a shift. Uh, when, the last time we reviewed DC was Black Adam. And I actually ranked Black Adam kind of high. I dropped it down. But I still have it above this movie. So I, Shazam, Fury of the Gods is next. Ooh. Then I have Black Adam. Oh. Um, then I actually have Aquaman, okay, which I'm sure you saw coming based on how I was talking about it earlier in this episode. Yeah. Then I have Birds of Prey, which yeah. I'm sure you saw coming based on my comments in that earlier in the episode. Yes. Um, then I have Wonder Woman, which I think is a really good movie, but a really crappy third act, which I always have to clarify. Then I have The Suicide Squad. Great beginning, really weird plateau in the middle, and kind of a weird-ish ending, but it, it works. Uh, then I have the original Shazam. Um, and then at, I guess this would be number one, I would be Man of Steel. Wow. And if I had to throw the Batman in there, it would be above that. 
Wow. Okay. Dude, we are almost point for point, except we're off with a couple. Um, Suicide Squad is 12. Justice League is 11. Wonder Woman 1984 is 10. Batman v Superman is 9. Black Adam is 8. Aquaman is 7. Birds of Prey is 6. Shazam, the first one, is 5. The Suicide Squad is 4. Man of Steel is 3. Shazam Fury of the Gods is 2. And Wonder Woman is 1. So I think that what I'm taking away... That's not as drastically different as our mobile rankings. Right, but I think that for me, it seems like maybe for my DC movies, I need them to be competent and I need them to be sort of like where they have wonder. Like where it's like, there's like kind of like a sense of fun or joy about them. And Wonder Woman 84 is not competent. I think that you think that Wonder Woman is maybe not as competent as I'm putting it. But that one scene where she's coming out of the trenches, that, that's maybe the best thing out of all these movies. Oh, yeah, that's, that's an all-timer right there. That's a fantastic scene. And again, the, 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 two-thirds, the first two-thirds of that movie, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. But just whatever happened in the end of that movie... Effects-wise, plot-wise, I don't know, man. It really just put a damper on my my, my whole experience. Yeah, no, I understand. Well, that's cool, though. I'm glad that you uh, were able to make that list so we could compare them. You and I seem pretty eye-to-eye, as usual. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Is there anything new that's coming out, or is it just going to be Mandalorian next week? Uh, yeah, it's going to be Mandalorian, unless you want to talk about John Wick. <laughs> oh, I don't even know if I'll have a chance to see John Wick. I don't know about either because yeah, uh, yeah. I, 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 unless I, unless we go, Chris and I go see it separately. I, I don't know how we're gonna do it, <laughs> but okay. I keep hearing like really good things about it, and I, know, I really was not looking forward to going to see it. Yeah, but I've heard multiple people saying like one of the all-time action movies, like all-time greatest action movies already. And I'm like, okay, that's piquing my interest. Yeah, yeah. As far as like action movies, um, the guy that directed, I think he's done all the other John Wick movies, and and someone was saying that like he should be like praise as much as like james cameron or michael bay you know and i don't really like michael bay that much but like he can direct action that's for damn sure oh yeah that's the like he has those great wide shots and those great explosions like 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 i'm not even joking like he knows the man knows explosions yes sir yeah yeah so uh you know maybe we'll just do mandalorian next week if anything comes up we'll let you guys know but we appreciate you guys watching and please if you haven't given us a like we sure could use one and if you haven't subscribed come join the discussion and subscribe to our channel too. But otherwise, Brian and I will be back next Thursday to talk about The Mandalorian. See y'all then.